Bitches, bros, and non-binary hoes. The Band of Misfits podcast, the showcase of the controlled chaos we call our friendship. It is your bitch, Panda, back on the scene. It's good to be back. <laughs> I'm excited. It has been a, it has been a while. Um, it's, been a, it's been a three or four weeks, actually, yeah. yeah yes, it has, which, at this point, it's a podcast whenever we can do it type situation. Simply because work and life and, you know, etc., etc., things come up. Oh. Um... Or people go out of town, or, you know, stuff happens. Um, This is Wolf going ahead and apologizing in advance, if you hear me coughing. Uh, I, unfortunately, I went out of town uh, two weeks ago. And, despite my best efforts, somehow managed to catch COVID. Very, very sad. Um, My dad also caught it, but his wasn't as bad. Lucky him. Uh, mine was actually fairly bad. Like, I felt really, really sick. Like, to the point where I really wasn't doing much. I was just kind of laying there, feeling miserable. Uh, I Long story short, I had gotten back in town Saturday. Sunday I worked. And I had noticed Sunday, my vision was starting to get messed up. My right eye was starting to get fuzzy. I was I just thought it was something with my contact, so I ignored it. Uh pop my contact out, clean it, put it back in. Didn't fix it. I was like, okay, well that's weird. When I went home later that night, found out it wasn't the contact, it was my eye. My actual eye's vision was fuzzy. Uh it looked like I was staring through a, like, you know when you take a shower and it gets, like, super steamy and stuff and, like, the mirror's yep. all fogged up? Like, that's what it looked like I was looking through. Like, a fogged Holy up mirror. Holy shit. And it was the weirdest thing in the world. I had no idea why it was happening. So, I was like, I'm gonna wait and see if it corrects itself that night. Didn't correct itself. When I woke up, though, it wasn't there immediately, so I didn't worry about it. And then, as I was at work, it came back, which thankfully I had, my dad also kindly went out and got me an eye patch the night before, so I could just put that on to give my eye a break, but it was like, shoot. And then Muse and everybody else that was there encouraged me to go to urgent care and at least get my eye looked at, since I tried to call the eye doctor, but they closed at five, and... I left a voicemail, but I didn't know when they'd be able to fit me in. Uh, luckily, they were able to fit me in the next morning. <laughs> but, yeah, I went to urgent care. They looked at my said there was no damage to it, nothing that they could see. So I needed to go to an eye doctor to take a look at the actual cornea and stuff. Yeah. Went to the eye doctor. Eye doctor said it looks like your cornea is inflamed, which is causing the blurry vision and stuff. She said, this is going to sound really weird, but on a rare occasion, a very rare occasion, this is a side effect of COVID. Out of curiosity, are you feeling anything? I was like, I mean, I guess my throat's a little sore, but, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to that because I sleep with my mouth open. When I, when I sleep really, really deeply, I sleep with my mouth open. And, you know, if you sleep with your mouth open, you wake up and your mouth is dry and your throat's sore. So, like, I didn't think much of it. And she was like, I know you left work to come here, and I know you're planning on going back to work. Do me a favor, go get COVID tested first. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, oh, it's eyeball, surely it's not that. Like, has anyone ever heard of... A loss of vision because of COVID. Now I have. Yeah, now you have. Now I have too. <laughs> but before, had you ever heard of anybody having vision issues because of COVID? Nope. She said, and you know, she was like, it's a very, very rare symptom. Or, but it is a symptom. So please, please, please go get tested. I'm going to be honest. I still almost didn't go get tested. Only reason I went was because 
I looked at the time and I went, oh, I told them I wouldn't be back for another, like, 30 minutes. So, I had time. I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll, I'll go get tested. Why not? It's probably not it. And I went there. I was joking with the doctor and the nurse and stuff, you know. And then he comes back out and he knocks up a window. He's like, well, you're not going back to work. And I went, huh? He went, yeah, you tested positive. I was like, you're kidding, right? And he said, nope. I was like, is there not a thing that you got to send off to like a lab or whatever to check? And he was like, no, we're, we passed that point like a year ago. This, this test is as accurate, accurate as it can be. And it came back positive. I went, I feel fine. I just have an eye that's not working. So, called home, told my parents. My dad came, left work, came home. I had, I had to make like 50 million zillion phone calls that day. Because I had to call him, and then I had to I had to text my manager. I had to text the produce manager, because I was scheduled for both. I was scheduled for shifts in both of those. Oh, man. And... They said they said I couldn't go back. This was on a Tuesday. Um, they said I couldn't go back until Sunday, and that was only if I had been fever free for seventy two hours. Turns out store policy is different. Store policy said that I couldn't go back until Tuesday, so an extra two days. Good news was on paid leave. Uh, I got paid to sit on my butt and do nothing. Uh, however, felt like crap. It hit me. I kid you not, it hit me so hard. It, I woke up Wednesday, I felt like death. Like, I spent 90, like, you guys know me, I'm always doing something. I spent mm -hmm. most of the day just laying lifeless in my bed. Because I felt terrible. Oh. It, and Oops. it was, yeah, it was horrible. It sucked. But... I am better now. Um, I can't say I'm COVID-free, though, unfortunately. Because, and my doctor told me this, uh, even if you are technically considered COVID-free because, you know, you've taken the test and whatnot, you're fever-free for, for 72 hours and stuff, some people afterwards will test positive for days or up to weeks. And they'll just keep testing positive. And the few times I've tested after feeling better, uh, it's still coming back positive. I'm not contagious. I can go out and be around people. I can work. I have been working. But it's just that weird thing where it's, you know, I'm testing mm -hmm. positives for some odd reason. I haven't tested in a, I haven't tested in like half a week though. So I'm kind of I'm kind of waiting because my <laughs> My dad needs to order more tests. We, we kind of ran out of tests. Because um, he had the test. He, he tested positive. My mom had a test. He, she, uh, my sister had a test. They both tested negative. Thank God. They never caught it. Which is amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, somehow, some way, which is shocking. Uh, we actually think my dad had it when we were coming back on the plane. Which is probably explains why I caught it. Because... I was helping him pack. I was helping him lift all the suitcases. I was around him a lot more uh, in closer contact. However, uh, my mom did sit next to him on the plane, but she wore her mask most of the time. He also wore his mask most of the time. So uh, The only times we took our mask off on the plane was to eat, but apparently because I had close contact with him, uh, I caught it from him. Uh, but Yeah, so if I cough, I apologize. I have a cough that is not going away. It's annoying the hell out of me. Um, piss, it really is pissing me off. I, I kid you not. You can ask all the misfits. I am not happy that I have a cough. <coughs> but yes, that was me. That, that was me rambling. Yeah. There, there was me rambling. Oh, no, that's that's how I've been spending my past two weeks. I went out of town for a week and it was really nice, but I got sunburned a lot because it was, we went to Cabo, Mexico. And again, nice, but how it's very sunny and hot and because i kept being sunburned super bad i spent a good like 50 percent of the trip just indoors 
either in the hotel room doing homework because I still had, I was still doing classes, or um like in a restaurant eating. <laughs> yeah. I, I was eating my sunburned sorrows away. You know, as you do. Yeah, as you do. Yep. But yeah. Uh. So today, uh, this talk was suggested by Latte. It was actually suggested last week, but due to scheduling issues, we could not get enough people. Um, I had, was still recovering. Uh, I want to say somebody was at work. Muse, were you at work? Uh, no, Shiota and I were uh, busy creating a Pandora's box. Oh, that's right. Oh. They were doing a like satanic ritual thing. Um, mm-hmm. And Panda was celebrating uh, Josh's birthday. So I was. Yep. Happy belated birthday to him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we are doing it this week. Uh, if you guys would, if Latte or Panda would like to introduce the topic for today, it's actually very interesting. So today's topic. Just look at. Let me get the exact description we were found again. I would say, I would say, yeah, get the exact description from where we talked about it in the okay. chat. So, actual podcast description. Why are there so many movie remakes and live actions of animated movies in today's movie market? Basically. Which is an excellent fucking question. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest. I have no idea where she, put, where she came up with that idea, but I am impressed. <laughs> yes, very impressed. I think... Um, I think the remake uh, and the sequels to previous older franchises is a big thing that we're going to be discussing in light of the newer Jurassic Park film, uh, Jurassic World film that just came out not that long ago, I believe. Oh, yeah, well. hmm. Yes, and also, uh, what was the last Disney live action? Oh. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't think so. I, feel like I don't think. I feel like there is another one, but I can't even remember but, at this point. Aladdin. I think Aladdin was after, wasn't it? I no, mean, Aladdin was before Mulan. That's cool. Um, I can't remember. I know what it was, we though. have Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Mulan, Aladdin. Uh, okay, a ridiculously Lady large amount. Movie. Lady and the Tramp. Uh, wasn't there? Yeah, there's Dumbo. Oh, I wait, thought they. I thought they made like a Little Mermaid one as well. They're making. They're making a Little Mermaid movie uh, right now. Oh, it's it's being made right now. Okay. Yes, it's being made oh. right now. Okay, that's that's where I I got confused. Yep. No, uh, it is coming out soon though. <coughs> mm. Oh, it's it raises an interesting question of is this a valid or not valid? Obviously, it's valid filmmaking, but. Is it a viable long-term filmmaking practice? You know, or doing remakes. I, yes, I want to just point out one thing. the only live reason or another. So, the only reason Disney is doing live-action versions of their movies is because after twenty years of the movie being out, they basically have to release it to the public for free, and they don't want to do that. Yeah. And the only reason they can keep it in the franchise is if they make a movie of the exact same title, the exact same movie, in a slightly different way that is recognizably is recognizably different enough where you can tell it's that movie, but it stands out a bit. It's, you know, it's sad that I've always been a bit of a film buff. I love films and movies, um, for those of you that don't know that about me. Um, and I've found that recently I haven't been able to get excited about a movie like I used to, you know, like obviously Thor Love and Thunder, Thunder is coming out and uh, that looks great. It looks fun. Uh, you know, a Marvel movie is always fun. I enjoy those. But I have found that the more recent Marvel even enjoyed as much as I used to. with Cold War. Well, it's because after Endgame. Yeah. All of the main people we grew up with, you know, they're not really there anymore. Yeah. And it's, so, but, yeah. yeah, the only one that's really got movies still coming out is 
Thor. Yeah, Thor. Yeah. Which, yeah, great. At least we have Thor. But personally, and this is just a personal thing. I never enjoyed the movies as much as the Iron Man or Captain America movies. So that's been um, something that was a bit of a disappointment for me, but not as much. They're great. And I enjoy mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy and all those films as well. I enjoyed them. I feel too. like I don't think thing, Thor I didn't no. I don't think Thor needed a fourth movie. I don't think so either. I liked where he had where they had his story going. And the movie does look interesting. However, it was kind of like it was one of those Did they need to make that? No. It well, does think, look interesting though. I think the problem with a lot of remakes you know, I understand Disney doing remakes for, like, trying not to um, have stuff go in public domain. I understand that. Yeah. But even out public that, domain. Yeah, oh, even Latte, I don't think. There you go. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I can hear you. Yeah, even the <laughs> um, domain thing, the problem with remaking old movies or even TV shows is people already have their idea of perfection. You know. Exactly, which is why movies like the Mulan movie, which the live-action Mulan movie focused more on the actual original story, which was incredibly different than the one that Disney introduced, and hence why a lot of people didn't see it. And I want to say it was the people who saw it liked it, but a majority of people just didn't go see it. Because it it just wasn't the movie we grew up with. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I just I feel like recently I've been getting much more excited about TV than I have been about film. Personally, and speaking of TV, yeah. I don't know how many of you like have Netflix accounts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've but, got Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. But there's um, this show called of Kingdom. It's a Korean, um, I guess you could call it maybe a drama. I don't know if I'll call it a drama. But it's um, a zombie apocalypse TV series based in, like, ancient Korea. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go all into it. But it was a really unique story setting and with politics and everything. I'd never seen something like that because I was so used to seeing the, the um, stereotypical slasher film zombie movie like based in america mm-hmm. where everybody just brings out their torches and guns from under their beds that they just magically have and just decimate yeah. everything like no they just, they just happen to have be all prepared for the apocalypse you know and well, we are in america yeah well that's why i you have to appreciate other countries movies like and I know this oh, yeah. is totally off topic, but if you want to watch a really good zombie movie, uh, Muse, don't watch it. It's it's actually pretty scary. It's called Train to Busan. Oh, God. Amazing. It is really literally, I would say it's one of the best zombie movies to watch. You know, I've never actually watched it, but I can tell you, like, just, oh, I, I have watched it. And. and- it is so good. Not gonna watch it. Don't watch it. Nope. You don't watch it. Uh, listeners, watch it. It's very good. Oh, well, it's, it's very good, but very scary. Oh, it's very, very scary. But yeah. But yeah, it's just... it is kind of like how Train to Busan is if you put it in like ancient Korea. It's like same kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Very complex situation. Yeah. But, um,. One thing I liked about Kingdom was the fact that they didn't have all those modern weapons. So people really had to figure out how to deal with, and I'm calling them zombies. I don't know if they'll be technically considered zombies or not, because, you know, that's always debatable. Um, Yeah, because sometimes it's infected, sometimes it's zombies, but I'll call them zombies. You know, because people, they just had swords, arrows, or even some people didn't have that because some people were like, you know, commoners and they don't have all those weapons. Yeah. And so you literally just had these um, hordes of zombies decimating cities at a rapid rate because nobody really had anything to prepare for this type of situation. And as um, which is the far more realistic view 
unlike America, exactly. who likes to think that we are prepared for everything and we're, we'll go out it, guns blazing. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because as the show progressed, you see how people are trying to learn about the infected and how it's yeah. how they work, what save, what to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But in a very or way. Second. Mm-hmm. Bring it back. Yeah, just bring, just bringing it back to where we were. Really, I'll say going back to where we were as we wildly off. Great. Yeah, new, yeah, new, uh, new, new show or movie on your um, watch list though, if you're listening. So just, mm-hmm. but it's just I feel like people, yeah, the, the public domain issue is the main issue that I have with yeah. um, the remake thing is because I feel like they big companies like Disney really want to prevent, they want to limit the amount of their original properties being used for other creative purposes by the public, which I think really limits what you can do outside of like remakes and live action versions of animation, to be honest. Well, not only that, but for the live action versions, and I know this is especially true for the Lion King movie, they cared more about making the characters look realistic. Fitting realistic lions, fitting realistic animals. That it totally, it made it so the movie was basically emotionless, because a lot of people said you can't, you couldn't see the emotions on the face of the lions. Like, even when Simba's dad died and he was sounding all upset, people were like, he doesn't look sad. He just looks like he normally does. Like I, like, right. like, I get that you wanted to make it believable. At the same time, though, you're Disney. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but my big issue, too, is that it stifles the creativity of smaller, less funded screenwriters and movie producers. Oh, yeah. You know? Because you have way less intellectual property. Like, you can't make you can't make a comic book movie without being in Disney's back pocket. You know what I mean? Like pretty much. Like Marvel is probably is like the or Warner Brothers back pockets. One of those giant companies because DC and Marvel are the two biggest comic book companies, mm-hmm. and they're both owned by major corporations. Just for example, right? You can't make one of those movies without funding from one of them for approval and it really limits it really limits the creativity of what you can do with superhero it really does because like that's why you know it took so long to make deadpool because here is this here is this character that literally goes against every single one of disney's beliefs but you know, is, is technically he would fall under that category of, you know, being owned by Disney. Because, you know, he was, you know, I, I believe he, may- he was, what, created by Marvel? Mm-hmm. Yes, he is a Marvel character. Yes, he was created. I, I don't know why my brain just blinked for a moment, but yes, he is a Marvel character and literally Marvel is owned by Disney. And he, he is the opposite of every Disney idea. He curses, he is vulgar, he makes sexual innuendos all the time. Um, speaking of which, go see the Deadpool movies. They're absolutely amazing. Ryan Reynolds, you are the best. He pushed for those movies for so long. He took, an, he took a huge pay cut just to get the movie made. He wanted to right, be Deadpool but, so bad. Right, but I think about that and it makes me sad because like Ryan Reynolds is a huge, very rich actor. He owns a phone company, like all kinds of other things. And it was awesome of him that he took all that time to make this a movie that's actually worth watching oh, for yeah. a fan. You know? But if anyone else, if not another actor or anything, but any regular person that's a huge Deadpool fan, any regular screenwriter that wanted to make a Deadpool it would have been impossible for them. Because Disney just has too much money. And, oh, and Disney would have automatically sued them for copyright and shut exactly. them down. And Deadpool is technically owned by Marvel, which is owned by Disney. So it, it's 
Disney owning everything and refusing to let things go like go into the public domain, I think is the which, main reason. Which is it gets to the point where they just they milk things to the point where they're soulless. Yeah. It yeah. just There's, it's well, just another so Disney movie. Yeah. And I think another issue I have with um the mass produced remakes is it feels like they're taking hostage people's childhoods in a way where yeah. they're bartering with nostalgia to make profits. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would agree. Like yes. I thought a remake, I don't know if it's under Disney, but you know the movie Matilda, right? It's about a little psychic child. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I love that one. They're remaking that. Why? Because it I was just successful. Because it was successful when they were young and they're nowadays it's all about a lot of corporations are bringing back old movies. Halloween did that, where they brought back the original cast. And those oh, movies yeah. are actually really good, but now everybody else is trying to do that. And you wind up with yeah. things like the most recent Texas Chainsaw movie, which was absolute mm -hmm. garbage. Cliche after cliche, horrible well, thing. I was there. And then the ending was just disappointing as hell. Like, you could see it from a mile away. Yeah. Well, I mean, same with, like, the new Jurassic World or Park or whatever that new one is. Uh, Jurassic so Dominion, question mark? I don't know, but I've heard a lot of bad things about it just because oh, yeah. even though they brought back a bunch of the old um, characters and actors, you almost have no dinosaurs in that movie. Right. Yeah, I heard it was it was a lot about the people instead of the actual, hey, it's a Jurassic movie. Right. Yep. Okay. I think, well, I yeah. think, go ahead. That, um, <coughs> this is why I don't like, at least talk about the Matilda movie that they're remaking, is it's timeless. And timeless in the sense of, if you actually look at the movie, there's not too many um, era things in it that just make it feel super dated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's a classic. Like, I'll use, yeah, I'll use an example. Sometimes we have movies that are like, really old it's kind of hard to watch it because you can't um identify with anything going on you don't even understand what's going on kind of right. like old yeah they talk about like, like roll decks and stuff and everybody's like huh yeah yeah and um i felt like in the matilda movie they didn't do too much that was like air indicating the now they're remaking it it's almost like a shot for shot remake type of situation and if you're going to do that just watch the original I'll you say, know. you don't need a remake. And, if they're going to do that, there's no need for a remake. Exactly. I would much rather them um, make a movie similar to Matilda, maybe with a similar concept. Not a copy, but maybe a, a new genre like, of that. Yeah, like it, another kid woke up and, and has these powers, and it's their journey of you know using them and, and discovering them and seeing what they can do right. and stuff. Yeah, no, I think... Remakes have a great potential. Like, for example, like West Side Story got remade this past year, and it was fantastic. Like, the new version was great, and it updated a lot of outdated things about the version that made it almost unwatchable for most of You know, like the fact that all the Latin actors were played by white people in the original yeah. is yeah. no longer is no longer, in, except for the exception of the incredible Miss Rita Moreno who played uh, Anita in the original version. She was the only Puerto Rican actress in the entire film. I remember and, that. Yeah, but, you know, the modern version really updates that. And you see, like, of course, Hamilton legend, uh, Miss Ariana DeBose playing Anita in the new one. <laughs> played the bullet in Hamilton, if you're a big Hamilton fan. You know. Oh, yes. Um, I, I agree yeah. with you about, like, updating things. Like, you know, like, they're talking about, like, the actors, being accurate portrayals of, you know, people of that demographic. Yeah. Because there are a lot of older movies, I will admit, that had people playing minority characters who didn't match racially or stereotype. Right. Those people, like Breakfast, I think it's called, what's it called? Breakfast at Tiffany? Breakfast Tiffany's? at Tiffany's, yeah. Yeah, yeah Breakfast like, at Tiffany's. That. Uh, and, uh, Ricky, what's his face? You know, mm -hmm. yeah, no, he absolutely horrendous yellow face Japanese man is... Oh, yeah. yeah, those are yeah. those are some of the movies where you just you can't watch them because they're so cringe. Yeah, 
And it's a shame because West Side Story is a fantastic show and really fun to watch. So I was really happy that they remade it, of course, with the exception of Ansel Elgort and Tony. But yeah, we'll move past that. Everyone else was really so. So, well, you know, you can't you can't win them all, unfortunately. You can't win them all. You can't, can't win them all. Can't have a perfect <laughs> cast as much as they try. Yeah, no, but, oh, but they they did a really damn good job trying. With everyone like, else, one movie absolutely. I wish they would remake is like Dracula. Honestly, like yes, remake the original the original monster movies. It'd be oh yeah, the me original. and my um, mom yeah. were actually watching the original not too long ago. Like, you know, the silent film kind of version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watching that. And I was just remember seeing it. I'm like, this is so cool. I wish they remake this, but I got Matilda instead. Yeah, you get yeah. the movies that you don't ask to be remade. Exactly. I feel like people in the public consciousness, there's this, I feel like capitalism has really like diminished what a remake can be. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I feel like these companies are so focused on going by our own childhoods and cashing on that nostalgia, they miss an opportunity for something really beautiful and creative. And well, it's it's awesome. not only that, they're also trying to cash in on the, you know, oh, can we bring back the original cast? That kind of thing, too. Exactly. Yeah. The nostalgia of it all. It, which is like, what yeah, Halloween did weird. successfully, and I will admit, I, I watched the Scream movie, and it actually wasn't bad. I would say that it did successfully bring back the original cast. But then you get but, things like Jurassic, and uh, Texas Chainsaw, where it's just yeah. you, you just butcher it. Exactly. And it's like it, we didn't need this. We didn't ask. Exactly. For it. It's like the 2013 Evil Dead remake. Now, if anyone is aware, my brother and I do love Evil Dead. We enjoy the franchise and the video game together. It's great. And we but, will stream that game at some point in the future. Very fun. But, um, Anyway, they then in 2013 they made a remake of Evil Dead. For those of you that too young, oh god, please don't be too young, remember it because you were too young when it came out. No, but, oh my god, <laughs> it came out in 2013, and um, it was just completely just a separate entity from the original Evil Dead movie. If you know nothing about the production of the original Evil Dead film. Was the first one. It was just an absolute fever dream. All right. Sam Raimi had absolutely no money when he made Evil Dead. It was his very first movie. They went to backwards Cap, Tennessee to film it. And because it was cheap and everyone just slept in the cabin during the production. Multiple people were injured. Like they drank actual moonshine on the set, from what I remember. Not just water, because they knew nothing for, about for the what gallery. movie. Uh, Evil Dead. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Evil Dead film. Yeah. Is, uh, Bruce Campbell, I think, actually had, like, this massive pustule filled with, like, what was it? Latex. That's right. From uh, <coughs> latex, like, hand they'd use when Cheryl was a demon or something. And he got latex stuck in his under his skin and it got infected. And it was like that for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So they had to pop it, and it was just the most foul substance known to man inside the fucking posture. <laughs> it was like, but it made it such a unique and oddly goofy experience. And you can see the heart and love that Sam Raimi put into the original Evil Dead films. Yeah, you can tell that they're not, you know, trying to milk it for all it's worth. Trying to exactly. revive a franchise to set off a new exactly. thing. Like, oh my goodness, Ash versus Evil Dead was one of the Evil Dead um, revivals that I enjoyed because Bruce Campbell was still in it, but they still made, they made him, you know, the age he is now, which is like 65, I believe, and like, like, hey, Ash is getting sick of doing this shit. It was part of the joke, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but when they made it, it's like all the soul of the Evil Dead franchise was just sucked out of it. It was gory, absolutely, as that always is. It's also, like, just absolutely soulless. It seemed it's, like they were trying too hard. Make it way too, really scary and just completely straight-faced horror film, which is the opposite of what Evil Dead is, is a comedic-based horror franchise. You know, it, 
it's, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it, it's, you gotta be really careful with remakes that you're not just doing it to try and harp on a, a fan's nostalgia for the original, you know? Exactly. Like that you're not trying to milk the fans for all they're worth. That you're exactly. actually giving the movie the heart and soul it deserves. Exactly. And that's why movies, exactly. again, that's like why movies like the newest Jurassic film failed. It just yeah. didn't have anything that the original had. It lacked all of it. And fans, you know, we could tell. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, and I haven't seen it. Question. Don't know if I'm going to see it, but... Oh. <laughs> Odd question for y'all. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think there should be... I wouldn't say a limit, like, legally. Nothing legally, but just... For remakes to happen, do you think there should be a certain amount of years before they remake a movie? Especially a classic. Yes, I think they need to wait a certain amount of time before they remake. They decide to remake it. Out of respect for the original. Now, if it was a really bad movie that flopped, be my guess to remake it. Maybe it will be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably why, though, like with the remakes, um, going back to Disney, um, like the princess ones, why those did so well is because it was decades. Well, so only only select Disney movies did well. Well, no, I mean specifically like Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. Like, yeah, but those are the only two that really did well. Again, princess ones. Well, I mean, or even Aladdin. Aladdin did well too. Oh no, I did not like that movie. Here's here's my issue with the Aladdin remake. My issue with the Aladdin remake is that first of all. They tried to give Jasmine a song, which is, yeah. yeah. I think it's just, it's, the thought is nice and all, but the, the whole point of Aladdin not having a song, of uh, Ad Jasmine not having a song is because, you know, Howard Ashman had this very specific formula for how a musical should work, right? He believed like, oh yes, there's an I want hero, right? We, uh, let's use Beauty and the Beast, the original Beauty and the Beast as an example. Right, Beauty and the Beast is just like beautifully made film. It was Howard Ashman's magnum opus before he tragically passed away from AIDS, like right after it was completed. Um, he he had the uh, opening song just to introduce the world, and oh, this is how we view everything. Right, right. Aladdin has that opening song, and so does uh, Beauty and the Beast. Right. We have the I want song, which is when the hero, you know, oh, I want this and blah, 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 plot progression. Plot progression, and then the villain gets an I am song, right? Mm -hmm. This is who I am. I'm selfish, or I am this, this, this. You see it in The Lion King. And it's the villain song. You kind of need them to have a song to introduce themselves. Like, it has to be an I am song, right? It can't be an I want song. It can be an I want song. An I want song can work. Like, Hunchback of Notre Dame's villain song is not an I am song. But it works because it's terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It works because they did a really damn good job with it. Exactly, but it's very rare that that works. Like, if Gaston had had an I want song where he sings about how he's in love with Belle and he's it's the one thing that's been robbed of him or whatever, yeah, you wouldn't feel as bad for the Beast, right? Like No. You, no. Gaston can't have an I want song, he needs an I am song. Right? So then after that, we can have a love song. We can have a love song in our musical movie if we have a romantic lead. Right? It occurs in Beauty and the Beast. Right? There mm-hmm. is one cut song from Beauty and the Beast that's about like them being human again. I love that song, but it's more of a icing on the cake type cake type thing for it. Yeah. And that's all. There's not actually that many songs in Beauty and the Beast when you boil it. Right? Mm-hmm. There's like five or six. Maximum. And yeah, no, when you look at it as a whole, there really isn't that many. It doesn't need any more. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. one of those things where everybody, and it's, it's you know, I understand it. You know, people want women to be able to, to have this, but I feel like it was the pressure. It's like, Jasmine why do the guys get all the songs? Why doesn't Jasmine get a song? 
I think it's less that than it is like, oh, uh, we need more songs and we want to learn more about Jasmine. But you already know, like, if you watch the original, Howard Ashman also wrote the script for that. But again, he takes away from AIDS tragically before yeah. it was being produced. Um, and, you know, they added a couple of songs into Aladdin that after he died. But Aladdin still works, mainly because it was still, for the most part, following Howard Ashman's original formula. I'll say it was his vision. They actually followed right. it. So, for the most part, yeah. Um, but you already know a lot about Jasmine without her having a song. You yeah, know? she didn't need a song. It's all very show-don't-tell with Jasmine. She, like... The moment we first meet her, she's sneaking into a market, like, and immediately being intelligent enough to play along with a ruse to get out of trouble, you know? And oh, there goes my dog. Jump between buildings, like, by herself, not afraid to leverage her authority to try and save somebody else. Like, you learn so much about Jasmine within the first, like, 20 minutes of the film. Yeah. Without her having a song. We need Street Rat at the beginning to learn a little bit more about Aladdin. Like, it helps progress his Well, not to story. mention, he is the main character. Right. Yeah, sure. It is his story. Right, That absolutely. And you, Jasmine doesn't need her own song because I believe it's getting into tell-don't-show territory when she gets that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, we we already know that she wants They've made it very clear through the entire film that she wants to be independent and she wants to be able to make her own choices. Like, if you don't need a song to tell you that. Like, you already no. know all that. Like, the way her character was written, it was written so she would show the audience instead of... I mean, outright... He basically when, took that away. Outright, when Aladdin comes back to Prince Ali... To come and w try and win, like you, and they start arguing about what's best for. She just straight up says, "Man, fuck all three of you." <laughs> like, uh, it's like, why do you get to decide like what's I best for me? Decide what I want. She's sassy and intelligent and has her own morals that aren't necessarily backed up by the society she's living in. The purpose of a song in a musical is that is one of two things. It should be to either help progress the plot or help us learn more about the character who's singing it. Those are yeah. the two things. That's that that's normally what it's for. And if why it's not for that, Jasmine, then there's no point. What? Why does Jasmine need a song if she already, if we already know all we need to know about? Her? You know, like I don't think it's one of those things where. I think it's a what it's the danger of a remake is that you want to add all this stuff in for fan service when the thing that made the original great is allowing Jasmine again to speak her own mind and not needing to sing all about how she wants independence or in love. You know what I mean? Because we already know that. Yeah. Exactly. Like it, it just kind of ruins the reason of, you know, having her do all these actions. I think screenwriting is a very tricky, you know, thing. I'm not going to diminish that because a lot of people, professional screenwriters have a very difficult job. They take someone's vision and have to make it for screen and make it interesting. You have to take into account camera work and sound design, all kinds of stuff. It's really hard to But... If you just take a screenplay and water it down so much that you're just outright telling your audience with from a character's mouth what is happening, you're... There's no point in having a movie. There's no point in a movie. Especially if we all uh, have a film that's better. Anyway. So, you know? Well, and especially yeah, if you have an audience that's already judging you for making these movies for the exactly. reason of trying to, you know... Get, yeah. How to how to keep it in your uh, your bank? Exactly. Latte, go ahead. I think you're gonna say something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Another issue I have with um, the remake thing because I think it hurts creativity. Yeah. Um, yeah as a whole, think about how much money they dump into remakes, they could be putting that money into new ideas, and it kind of right. snubs you know new movies really. Yeah, exactly. I don't. 
Like yeah, I don't. Go ahead. Yeah. Moon, like okay. But when pretty much all the movies are remakes and they're all coming out as remakes, you just kind of feel overwhelmed at some point, you yeah. know. So when new stuff comes out, you're less excited for it because you're like, oh god, there's another fucking movie coming out. Oh yeah. You know. It's like oh, seriously, they they thought it did good enough. It deserved a sequel. It's like. It's like when they made the, uh, and this isn't, you know, remakes, but it's like when they do some book to movies, like, you can either do really good or really bad. And right. we've seen it flop. Like, <laughs> Divergent. Like, Divergent, it's, it's sad because it had, I am not, I never read the books, I won't lie to you. Like, I've never read the Divergent books. Um, and, but I can tell you that, like, like I was saying before, screenwriting from source material that already exists is very tricky because you have to be very cautious that you're not either making a direct copy because most of the time directly copying from book to screen makes it very confusing and kind of boring, you know, but you also have to be very careful that um, you're not diminishing what was already in the book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know what's a great... You know, a really good example of good screenwriting from book to screen for me, and this is TV, um, not film, but uh, is Bridgerton. And I, the first season of Bridgerton, I don't really enjoy that much, but I'm going to take the second season of Bridgerton as an example of excellent screenwriting from book to screen, right? If you watch the second season, I don't know if any of you have, but if you've watched the second season... One of the big changes they make from book to screen at Bridgerton is that obviously the cast is very racially diverse, right? Um, Bridgerton in the books is not that way, but the Bridgerton universe on the TV screen is very racially diverse. It's interesting. And that I think makes it more fun for us because we get to see people really enjoy that might not get to do those types of shows if we hadn't branched out that way, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not necessary for the characters to be white. You know, like, it's not that big of a deal that mm -hmm. they're not white. It doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. So that's nice. Right? We love diversity on screen. Another thing they do really well is they don't go point by point in the sec. Again, I had issues with the first season because, first of all, they tried to explain why their universe is racially diverse. Which just kind of spoils it because, like, it doesn't matter why it's racially diverse. It's okay that we don't know why, because it's part of the escapism. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'll say, it's, it's a fantasy not... world. It's it's racially diverse. Okay, great. We don't need an explanation. It's no, that's great. just a that's a it's racially diverse. Period. Fantastic. I'll happily accept that. I don't need an explanation. You know what I mean? Like an audience that's willing to watch a show like that doesn't need an explanation. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Don't treat your audience like they're dumb. That's a big thing that the second season doesn't do. Another thing that they do really well is they don't make the second season of Bridgerton a shot-by-shot -shot remake of the book. You know, the, the problem with the Bridgerton books is that they almost follow the exact formula in every book that they've been the first one. Where it's like, oh, they got caught, now they have to get married. The second season of Bridgerton is based on the second book of the Bridgerton series, obviously. And, um... In that, it's basically would have been the same plot as the first one. But in the show, it's more of an enemies-to-lovers dynamic, which is much more fun, in my opinion. So I, I really enjoy that they're not afraid to diversify their screenwriting and make it even more enjoyable. But what's a good example of bad screenwriting from a book to screen? Let's take Divergent, right? Have any of you read Divergent? I read Divergent. Okay, so well, if you can probably help me with this, like, mm -hmm. what was the first book compared to the first? Like, the first movie, in terms of the book, it actually did follow. I'd say a good eighty-five percent of the plot. Yeah, so we know the plot is pretty consistent, which is fine because the plot of the first Divergent book is pretty well done, unlike the second Bridgerton book. You know, so well. The issue with that was, yeah, they made this entire thing around this box that only people who are 100% divergent could unlock. Mm 
Except... That box never existed. In the book. So right. here, here is this movie. Revolving around this entire box. And then here's this... The third movie, revolving around all the events that happen in the second movie, which are just completely made up, and, like, the basic, like, plot steps, like, they're being hunted, she gets captured, da-da-da-da-da, those are from the book, but all that, all the crap about the box, and some of the dialogue, and, and certain things that happened, like, none of that existed, I have no idea where they came up with those ideas. I watched the right. trailer and my mom was like, wow, that looks really good. So what's what's this box thing? And I went, I have no idea. And she went, what? <laughs> I went, that doesn't exist. That wasn't yeah. in the book. Right. And she was like, how can they do that, though? How can, you, how can you make a movie based on a book and not be based on the book? Oh, yo, I... It's one of those things where, yeah, like I said with Bridgerton, it's fine if there are aspects of plot that aren't in your book, but they have to serve your story mm -hmm. well. Do you know what I mean? There has to be a point there to them. There has to be a point where it's like, with the show, they didn't want to like make an exact copy of the first season <laughs> like with two different people. That would have been very boring and not fun to watch. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like. And so, yeah, I think it's fine that they made it enemies to lovers. I said, I think that's very fun. Like, I like that. But with Divergent, if you're going to make a massive plot point, like, ooh, a box we have to unlock, like, that's fine if it serves the story, but it really doesn't. It's frankly very unnecessary for the story because when they did the whole box thing, it became very, like, surreal almost. Mm hmm. And they based no, the entire movie around the box. And it was like, so that box the, doesn't even exist. Was the whole, like, percentage of Divergent a thing in the book? The percentage, I want to say, it's been so long since I've read, but I do want to say that, yes, the percentage thing did exist in the book. However, mm -hmm. the way that they used it as, like, this key thing to the plot yeah. is not true. It was more of like a DNA testing thing, right? Yeah, it was like, oh my, it's like, oh, you're 20% divergent. You're this oh, you're, you're, you're this percentage, you're this percentage. Oh, you're 100% divergent. That's that's dangerous. You know, it was more used to help fuel, you know, the certain, like, villains hate. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that box right. thing, I have no idea where the hell they pulled that out of. Yeah, no, that's... When you use minute plot details as major plot details suddenly, it makes it, 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 yeah, it just ruins most of it, right? Oh, it, it ruined it. Fans were not happy and, and begged them to stop, and they still made a third one because they are like, well, we need I, to at least finish the series out, and uh, it did so very bad. Badly. It did so I, bad. But yeah, I, um, to be honest, I feel like you should be able to watch a film and enjoy it even if you're not even if you are not the one that read the book. Even if you have not read the book, you should be able to enjoy the film. Yeah, you should be able to sit down and watch the film and be able to go, oh, this is fine. You know, you shouldn't I've have never, to read the book. I've never read the Birdie books. Ever. I didn't like the first season. I didn't know anything about the books, but I didn't like certain aspects of the first season. Second season? So good. Genuinely really enjoyed it. And I don't even enjoy shows like that very often. But it's all about, are you a good screenwriter? And I think when you have these remakes and these live action creations based on animated films, all you're doing, all you want to do is like, oh, let me just plop this screenplay and put it into this screenplay instead. And then you add some stuff. Yeah, it's that, basically like, like a copy-paste type thing. It's unnecessary, and it's boring. You know, it's boring. It's unnecessary. I'm on Latte's page where I would get really excited if the monster movie era revived itself. I'm actually... Um, I'm, in the, I'm reading through Carmela right now, and if you don't know what Carmela is, it's this very old vampire book. It came, was written before Dracula. 
Oh, I'm familiar with You're bit. probably, yeah, Latte, I know you're into that stuff. I figured you'd probably be familiar with it. Um, so the story is, if you're not familiar with the story of Carmel, um, it's about um, a girl named Laura in, I believe, Hungary um, or Austria, something like that. Um, no, 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 Romania. That's right. Some, somewhere over in Eastern Europe in that area. Um, that this mysterious woman basically like begins haunting her and like she come and she crashes one day and they, this girl with her mother just basically gets dropped off at their house. And when she was six years old, she had this vision of the strange woman like biting her in the chest, mm -hmm. right? And then suddenly this girl appears, gets dropped off by the mother after a carriage accident outside of their manor, basically. And lo and behold, she looks exactly the same as the woman from her dream when she was six years old, right? Yeah, and creepy. Weird shit. That's some weird shit, right? And also, fun, this is an interesting thing about Camilla, is that it's, like, blatantly gay. It's just very gay. It's incredibly gay. <laughs> they don't even, like... We love our gay. We love when our they, gay. It was written in, like, 18, like, 02 or something. But they don't even... When people said, oh, it's a queer-based lit, it's a queer-based vampire story. And I had watched the Carmilla web series through most. And if you aren't haven't watched the Carmilla web series, it's very fun. Um, I highly recommend it. And it is lesbian vampire type show. There's three seasons. It's worth your time. Really great. Um, it won a couple of webbies when it was out. Really fun. Um, it's loosely based on the original, but it really isn't. It's just mostly the name. I'll say the hints the word loosely. <laughs> It's mostly the name and the vampire thing that's <laughs> based on. That's about it. But um, the original novel being so blatantly queer is really interesting. And I'm all for vampire stuff. And the vampire canon is very based in queer messaging anyway, like sexual liberation and mm -hmm. society seeing it as deviancy. You know? So I'm all for them making something like that but god forbid we have anything creative it feels like you know because there's yeah. no nostalgia for the monster movie era that's why you don't see stuff like that. you know what i mean no well, one it's a lot, of, alive. It's a lot yeah. of people talk about them all the time oh that movie oh that's a classic but that's yeah. it that's all that's yeah. uh, that's it that's the conversation oh it's a classic and i think I'm starting to see like first kill is the most recent attempt i've seen of a type show um, like a lesbian vampire type thing. And I, I'd love to see more queer shows, obviously. I'm always for queer media. But it was just a... I might get some hate for this, all right? But it was, for me, personally, unwatchable. Just, just terrible. And I know there are a lot of people that really enjoy that show and think it's fun, and that's great. I'm so happy for you. But for me, personally, I couldn't even watch through the second episode at all. Like, and it, it's a shame because like, we've been talking about this whole time how we want more original ideas and then give us stuff like this. Like, it's just bad. Uh, but, or, or it's a lot of companies. We ask fans ask for years for them to make a sequel to something or to make a remake. And then they give us a piece of garbage. It's like a exactly. slap in the face. It's an insult. Really like is. that's not yeah. what we asked for. Why are you giving yeah. us this? Right. Right yeah. now, I'm planning on writing a... Um, I don't know if it's going to be a screenplay or a book. I haven't decided. Like a lesbian vampire type thing. I don't know if I'm going to name it Carmilla or like based on the book or name it something else. But I'm planning on doing that just for me personally because I was just thinking about how I'm absolutely thirsty <laughs> for some mm. queer lesbian vampire media. I'm going to tell you now, Muse and I, we are out and about. We went to this shop that was very, very, very gay. Um, yeah, saw some some magnets that I would I literally there that I was like Panda would love these. One of them happens what? to be what I the shirt I got you. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh, I love my Ivy and Ruby shirt. I've got a I kid you not, guys. I found, I went to like ten different websites to find that shirt, and it is it's Ivy and Harley Quinn. Being all lovey-dovey, and it is so cute. Such a great shirt. <laughs> Genuinely, my favorite shirt. 
I haven't worn it in a minute because it got it's like in my pile that I need to put in my zippers, but I genuinely love that shirt. It's so great. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, no. So yeah, I'm planning on making a screenplay. Possibly, I, I haven't decided if it's going to be a book or a screenplay, like I said. Um, of basically like a Carmela type thing. You know, but I... I think people do underestimate the power of something fresh from something old, but I think they're underestimating how old it has to be to work. I think that's mm-hmm. the issue. You know what I mean? And lots no, of I, I agree with that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, no. So basically capitalism ruins everything. And <laughs> uh, they should make, they should make a lesbian vampire movie. That's <laughs> there it is, folks. Panda has preached. Let it, let it be known. I think, and I think latte. Is there anything else you want to add about this topic? Um, no, there's nothing I want to add. We hit everything. I think that was the big points. Like, you know, it, I really, I'm really hoping we get more stuff like turning red. Picture not. Yeah, I love Turning Red. I forced Muse to really watch that. It. Really enjoyed it. Very, very cute film. Forced um, Muse really to watch it. Happily, happily forced her to watch it. It is. Uh, also good. forced Shiota to watch it, and yes, they sure. loved it. So, I see. Disney has been doing well with the original animated films. Mm-hmm. I've been enjoying those recently. I'm really hoping that that continues in the next couple of years and we don't continue to get beyond well well, that's that relies on disney when i get signed to warner when i get signed to warner brothers for my screen i will thank you all in my oscar speech (laughs) that's all we ask that's all we ask emmy i don't know sure um it depends but regardless, um, this has been a really interesting topic. We haven't had an in-depth discussion like this. I know we've been we've been doing a lot of just you know, diddling you know, Good just diddling around, you know, talking about our day, talking about our week, you know. And as nice as that is, to give people updates and stuff, you know, it, it does get boring after a while. I'm I'm glad to. <laughs> It's great to have a topic to really dig into. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think we've been going for like over an hour. Um, I'm. I will check the time. We have been going for an hour and three minutes. So you are correct. Over an hour. Uh, clearly, this was a good topic. Go latte. Yes, go latte. Latte needs to pick a winner. Latte, latte. You are you are idea every person now. Every time she's picked a topic. Okay. Every time, every time she's picked a topic, it's been a good podcast. Legit. I'll say, yeah, legit. Every time she's picked a topic, like some of our best de- uh, debates and discussions that we have were topics that she picked. Exactly. It's big credit. Yep, we, we give credit where credit is deserved. And in this case, she definitely deserves that credit, so... Uh, but yeah, thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you, thank you. Um, somebody want to close us out? All right. Well, we want to we want to thank all of you. Um, <laughs> we want to thank all of you for just listening in to us discussing this topic. And we'd love to if you do end up listening and want to comment, feel free to do so because yes. I love to dig into comments of what other people think. We do read them. We do read them. Wolf reads them. I I would love to continue on this or like talk about more media based topics in the podcast from now on. So like share or just continue listening in. We thank you so much for those of you that do listen in. And uh, mm-hmm. we hope you have a great upcoming work week. Be safe. Summer now. Those of you that are taking vacations, remain safe. Remember, COVID is still out there. 
As Wolf can tell As you. As Wolf can confirm. <laughs> I take my mask off for just a few minutes. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure I got it from my dad. I'm fair. We're fairly certain at this point I got it from him. Um, from what? I, I, we're fairly certain that I got it from my dad. <laughs> Simply because yeah. he started feeling crappy literally like shortly before I started feeling crappy and it was kind of it was kind of one of those things where it would happen to be when he and I had been around each other a lot that day because my sister and my mom went off to take pictures and we wanted nothing to do with that so pretty sure I got it from him but you know that's that's as you do as you do you know parents parents COVID love them not really not to the COVID Love parents, but not 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 the COVID. Don't get COVID. It sucks. Can attest. Oh well. Good luck in the upcoming work week, everybody. Be cautious, and thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>